Samsung is very good with having the public be guinea pigs and test subjects of the product because they are the number one, from my my perspective, the number one company to actually listen to their customers. Anytime there was a change, if there's anything that you know we wanted, Samsung really went through and created that. And so when they were going through and testing, looking at sales numbers, looking at what was adopted, it looked as if they were like, okay, we had the Beans, which was the live, we had the Buds Pros or Buds Pluses, and let's take the best of those two worlds and just merge it into one. And that is really what they're doing. And that's that's what you want in technology. You don't want stagnant. You don't want the next thing just to be just like the last. There always has to be a change. There has to be adaptability. And I think Samsung is literally the king at adaptability. Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rettinger. Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. And John, this week... We've got a guest. Every week, I kind of try to hype things up. No, it doesn't. This this guest needs no hype. We have the best guest in the history of our podcast. And mind you, we have had MKBHD. Sure have. We've had John Morrison. We've had Josh doesn't Slade. Match up. We've mm-hmm. had some incredible guests on here. Titans of industry. We've had <laughs> join us true. here on the podcast. And dare I say this guest is one of my uh, more recent most contact, most people I contact most often out of anybody. So we're going to take those conversations from Twitter and we're going to put them here on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen. Wait, hold, before, before you reveal, before you reveal, right. I, want, I want to make sure to give you the appropriate amount of props for this guest. Okay. Right, do it. Behind the scenes, people don't realize each and every week, I'm typically the one that goes out and sources our guests, right? A couple of weeks ago, you said, hey, hold on. Let me try this out. Let me find us a guest. And it coincided magically with a few major events going on in the world. And so without saying too much, I'm going to let you do the honors, John. Take over the reins. So you may know him from Samsung coverage. You might know him from crypto coverage. Andrew and I know him as our savior uh, when it <laughs> comes to crypto mining. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy is promo. Jimmy is promo. <laughs> Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So for those who don't know you. Yeah. Man, there's so, there's, there's so much that you do. You're so knowledgeable. Like I've talked to you in DMs a few times, but you don't know how how much of your content I have devoured over the past two and a half weeks and appreciated. You're someone who I can genuinely just say, when I watch a video of yours, I walk away smarter in some way. Yeah, that's fair. Tell tell people who you are and what you do. Well, thank you for the introduction. I felt like I was just above and beyond. I uh, I'm just excited to be here. But yeah, so... Mostly on my channel, it would, I mean, it started with Samsung tips, tricks, tutorials started way back in 2012. One of the first channels of the, the niche of Samsung. And that, that was pretty much my goal was if you owned that phone, which was an up and coming massive hit, you know, back in 2012, yeah. 2013, that was the goal. And technically my background was Samsung pretty much for seven years as an employee. Not oh, many people know that. And so there was a, many years where I couldn't really say who I was, what I did, 
the first few years didn't even show my my reflection in a phone, never showed the face. And then it just kind of carried over to where I, I left about two and a half years ago, went full-time YouTube, still stuck with the Samsung tips and tricks and tutorials. That was, you know, my area of expertise. And so that was what I wanted to shoot. And then it kind of kind of moved over into cryptocurrency. I mean, I've done crypto for many years, stock trading for many years, but I never really made it public just because I didn't want to get out of that that niche in YouTube. But I shared a few things on Twitter. A few people started asking questions of, hey, where's your charts? Where's your videos? How do you do this? And then it just kind of evolved and kind of moved with the times. <laughs> so now I cover cryptocurrency mining, a little bit of charting, and still mixed in with all the Samsung content. Yeah, so I talk to Jimmy four or five times a day on average as I've gotten into crypto mining. I know very little. And uh, Jimmy, I'm the person that Andrew comes to with questions. If that, uh, if that tells you uh, how bad he's doing in, in, this, in this whole thing. But we do want to begin with Samsung talk, kind of going back to your roots, because there's a big event coming up, which we expect to see some, some bendy, some new bendy things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Evan Blast <laughs> just dropped a leak. I think it was yesterday, which gave us not just pictures, not just blurry pictures. He gave us 3D rendered GIFs of each device that is rumored to be launched at the next Unpacked event, which is about a month or so from now. A Galaxy Z Fold 3, Galaxy Z Flip mm -hmm. 3. The Galaxy Watch 4, which would be Samsung's first Wear OS watch instead of their own Tizen OS, and then Galaxy Buds 2. So, John, I feel like this is an event made for you. I mean, it's true. I do love every, I, I do love folding things. I mean, I, I love them. I need them. I also like watches that are round. So I'm generally pretty happy overall with what it believes and appears to be coming from Samsung. And Evan's about as reliable. And I, I know yes. Evan personally for many, many years as a, as a friend and a colleague. And he, does, he takes his profession and craft very seriously. And he doesn't leak or share anything that he hasn't vetted or trust. So I completely... One of the best. Trust, yeah, completely trust his leaks pretty much as if they came from, from Samsung themselves. So do you want to start with the Z Flip? Z Flip. Z Flip. Z Flip. Talk about it. All right. So fixing a lot of the problems, I think, that the original Z Flip had, right? The foldy boy. Clamshell phone folds up. The outside display was a joke, <laughs> right? I mean, you mm -hmm. could be like, if there's one thing Samsung fixed, it's clearly going to be that. And it appears that that is what they fixed. They didn't go as big as like the Razer 5G or the Razer, but it does appear to have a usable outer screen on it. We don't know if it's touchscreen or what, but it does at least you can see something on it, which is uh, certainly welcome. Two cameras now on it. I believe the first one only had a single camera. It's been a while since I tech that looked at that device. Mm. Mm -hmm. Smaller gap. So it looks like a little tighter hinge. I we like that. Yeah, we don't know if there are going to be any sort of IP ranking, which does appear to make its way to the Z Fold. Uh, but I would imagine they're going to share very similar features in that regards. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was I was a big fan of that design, you know, and, and actually the wife, she used my Galaxy Z Fold, I believe, for about three or four months. It's just one of those things that's just so small and it was really marketed to women. Just because it was just it, with the clamshell fit, it was resembling basically a makeup case where you open it up, you flipped it up. Uh, and that was really 
the main marketing behind it along with its colors. But it was a really nice phone. And in terms of just the size, when you think about it, sometimes it's almost nice to have something a little bit more narrow. And it was comfortable to hold. And I just remember placing it up on my dash in the car and being able to shoot a video while still being safe on the road. It was sitting up there. I wasn't holding it. So you can like live stream, you can take photos, videos. It was it was such a good design, especially for anybody doing our type of work who needs to just set it down, take a step back and really good with, you know, video chat with family. It's hard to argue, right? People love this. We're passionate about the phone. It appears to be the upgrade everybody expected, right? Snapdragon 888, don't know if it'll be 888 plus. I'd assume 12 gigabytes of RAM. Same camera setup I'm imagining that we have in the S21 plus. I don't want to say to paint by numbers thing. It's still a foldable phone, but I think it's the upgrade people were expecting with this, which all will be very, very welcome. I would certainly think if we have some sort of IP rankings, that would be nice, but obviously a very well-rounded phone. I'm not a fan of this form factor. Just being honest. I'm not a fan of the candy bar phone that folds into a clamshell. I couldn't use it, but I loved it. I feel like once it's unfolded, it's a worse phone than almost any other phone that has that unfolded form factor. Okay, so let's back that up. What made it worse for you? The display feel. Like, I'd rather have a, a S21, for example. I'd rather just have the S21 non-foldable versus an unfolded Z Flip 2. Is it? Wait, are we? There's only been one Z Flip, right? But I think, yeah, who knows what they're going to call it. So the the first, the the current one, whatever the current Z the Flip Z, is. The Z, the Z Flip. So not the fold. I'm not talking about the fold here. Just the flip itself. I feel like just a, a standard smartphone is a better experience once unfolded. And it's the, the only benefit is that it's smaller when you're not using it. That's a huge benefit. And I do want to give Samsung credit where I think credit's deserved. You don't get to those versions of this phone that feel similar, that maybe don't have a crease or the screen technology mm-hmm. evolves unless you go through these iterations of maybe the screen's feeling perhaps inferior. And if it's inferior, the screen still folds in half. It's still at 120 refresh rate screen, still was an OLED display, still had micro thin glass on top of it. So I, I kind of feel the same way. It wasn't a phone that I could use on a daily basis, but I bought one and I love that it existed because that's how we're going to get to these mainstream foldables. On that note, can I move over because I've, I have a reason I want to switch to the Z Fold 3? Oh, yeah, this, this one has me excited. Yes, please do. Talk about more main mainstream things. So the rumor mill has been churning and this is what I'm expecting from people that I trust. This is a phone and I'm holding a Z Fold 2 in my hand because I love it a phone that is going to look almost identical to the Z Fold 2. And I think to a lot of people, the initial reaction is, well, what the heck? Where's my trifold? Where's my giant tablet? Where's my in-screen fingerprint reader and, and all that kind of stuff? And I think all those are coming. But if you look at the problems that I think the Z Fold 2 has had, the first one is price, right? It's really expensive. It's not attainable for a lot of people. And I think for those that could afford it or are willing to pay for it, the other knock on it was durability. I mean, you had a baby it if water splashed on it, if you didn't have a case and heaven forbid it dropped, those were problems. It appears that Samsung took those complaints and said, we are going to refine the design. We're going to bring the price down to, I, I mean, I do know what's going to be, but I'm hearing between 11 and $1,200, which brings it expensive, 
but it's on the higher end of regular candy bar flagships. We're hearing IP ranking on it, IP68, I would assume, and also the ability to use an S Pen on it. And I don't think it's going to have a silo for it. You have to carry one with you. But Samsung is checking off the list of problems with the phone. Now, they haven't gotten to the screen, right? It still has the bend in it and still has those issues just on a larger scale that you, you mentioned with the Z Flip. But this is a phone now that is more attainable for a lot of people. And I think that's amazing. And I was a little disappointed when I sort of first started seeing these leaks. Like, oh, where's, where's the crazy things we were expecting? But I think this is a really, this is a really smart move from Samsung. And I think this is a well-calculated move in the development to get more foldables in more people's hands. So, Jimmy, what, what's your thought on the Fold 3? I mean, I'm excited for it. I have the Galaxy Z Fold 2. It was actually hard for me to get to the Galaxy S21 Ultra. So my channel was always known to shoot these reviews, put up these tutorials like the day of or even before. And I didn't get to the Galaxy S21 Ultra for one to two weeks after launch. And I don't know if I let my following down, but it was because I was stuck on the Z Fold 2. And one of the reasons was just the form factor. You know, it was the way that it was just a heavier candy bar when it was shut. And the fact that you knew in the back of your head that you were using a little less battery than if you opened it. And I was just excited that they made that screen larger from the original fold. So the original fold I purchased and returned within two weeks. Was not happy with it. Screen was too small and it just didn't really captivate me. But then the Z Fold 2 did. And especially for someone who looks at charts all day, it was so much better. And it was basically making me not use a tablet. So I have a tablet and ever since I had the Z Fold 2, I've never picked up my tablet, even though I have a Chromebook, I've never picked up the tablet ever since I had this phone. And it's one of those things where you can just ask yourself, you know, you would always want to have a tablet with you, but you can't pocket it. And this is a way that you can get so close to just almost having that full tablet display, but you know, it's just right inside your pocket. And again, it was just really fun to play with, you know, folding it in half when it was sitting up and you can watch YouTube with it play with the camera with it open, just like the Z Flip. But most people wanted to have this larger, bigger 4x3 display. Yeah, so I'm excited for the 3. I can't really say anything about it, if I may or may not have seen it already. But definitely excited for the event and excited to see the release. Now, let me ask you, hypothetically, is what I said valid? My thoughts and impressions on, on what's coming. Would they, would they have been accurate? We can go back to Love to Dream. Would you, would you, if you had a dream, would the dream have been accurate on what the Z Fold 3 was <laughs> going to be like? I would say, you know, very similar with the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Obviously, upgraded cameras, upgraded Snapdragon. I have a, a little bit of a comparison I can look at, but a lot of these things that's online, I don't fully read up until the event. I don't want to put in too much what people think because that's kind of what ruined a lot of these these events way back in the past remember i think it was with the iphone where they're talking about how it would have like a projector coming out <laughs> and you'd have a keyboard on the tabletop <laughs> yeah oh yeah all that all that crazy stuff but yeah so i i don't look into too much of the rumors 
and I do sometimes have access to phones early and that was half the reason why I don't really look at them. So I wouldn't have the chance to make a comment, if that makes sense. So a lot of NDA things from before and we'll just say it's, it's going to be a pretty nice phone. The only thing I'm excited for with the smaller flip would be if they were to improve the speaker with sound. And then I would be super excited for the Galaxy Z Fold 3 to have something that is lighter. Everything would be good with me with that Z Fold 3 if it wasn't so heavy in one hand. I mean, that's a challenge. It's a challenge because it's, it's twice as thick as, a, as your typical phone. Yeah. It has to be twice as thick, <laughs> boy. but also just as light. That's tough. That's tough. I'm going right. to go on a, right. on a limb and say if, if the Z Fold 3 is not a trifold, Samsung should be ashamed of themselves. Ah, boo. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think what you said on pricing, John, I'm wondering how accurate it is only because there's also the flip coming. And my prediction, I'm actually going to make a prediction on this show. Why are you going to go out on are you going to go out on a limb and be like is your prediction that's going to have the Snapdragon 888 in it? <laughs> I'm going to predict that since by the way this event is typically where we would see a Galaxy Note and the rumor says there is no Note this year or maybe ever again that the pricing that we would expect to see on a Galaxy Note will be transferred to the Z Flip. So not the Which fold it, but the flip. Which still seems like like a huge discount compared to what the oh, Z Fold 2 was, right? Absolutely. But what I'm saying is I think the Z Flip will be in that 1100-ish range. And then the Z Fold will probably be more in the 12 or 1300-ish range, which is still less still by much less. a couple hundred dollars yeah. than last year. And this is bringing it in line with what the Notes and Note Ultra were last year. So basically, if they're going to replace the Notes with foldables including a foldable that has s pen support i feel like this is a much better lineup than having a galaxy s and a galaxy note which are over the past couple of years have been so similar now you're getting some variety again in samsung's yeah, lineup i agree and samsung doesn't get enough credit for their trade-ins as well oh for sure you know what they what they offer for for credits I mean, is 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 insane. If you have a a phone that's a year or so old, I mean, generally you're looking at four or five hundred bucks minimum. Sometimes up to seven. Yeah, I mean, really, really, really generous, extremely generous uh, trade-in. So the prices are very rarely what the prices actually are. Like what you pay is very rarely what the prices legitimately are for the phones. So I'm excited about it. There's another product though that Google kind of teased, right? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you, are you trying to switch over to the Pixel? Did you like, did not. I'm not switching to the Pixel, the watch. Oh, oh okay, sorry. My, my apologies, my apologies. Because we got Andrew the Pixel got, 6 Andrew, also. I'm, you know Andrew what? Got, Go Andrew ahead. got sassy for a minute, and it came back to bite him in the ass. <laughs> so what I, was, what I was referencing, Mr. Edwards, was Google, I'm guessing, just dropping a bag, backing up the Brinks truck to Samsung. Essentially being like, please stop forking the OSs on watches. We know Tizen's better. We bought Fitbit. It's obviously not working out for our watch. Make an Android Wear watch. I would love to know the details of this deal. Samsung got paid a bag. For anybody who's used like a modern Samsung wearable, 
like I still don't think they hold the candle to what the Apple Watch can do, but it is so far generally a better experience than Android Wear. I mean, I wear a Gear Active. I love that Gear Active for I think 18 months and it was absolutely amazing. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing. So I'm excited to see what they do. You know, all we know is that it's going to be round, whether or not it's going to be a Pixel Watch made by Samsung, whether or not Google's going to release their own watch hardware and Samsung's going to release their own, but it'll be based on Android Wear. We don't know the answer to that. What I can't expect is that we're going to have a new design. And I think this is going to be when the Android side of wearables comes really close to the Apple side of wearables. And I, th- I think we're finally there. I'm curious. I'm curious because I feel like Samsung has the design down. I feel like Google has the software design, like just the software. It looks really good. The problem, in my opinion, has been Qualcomm not being able to make a chip that can compete with what Apple can do at the thinness that Apple can do it. So it's not it's not as fast. And the watches are, although they are the shape that you like, John, they're so thick that I think like the average either a kid or a woman, like they're like, what, what is this? Why is but this watch so big? This is where things get interesting. And, and Jimmy, feel free to chime in here. Rumored the Pixel 6 will be rocking Google's very own silicon. And last I checked, Samsung also makes their own chips. That is true. You know, obviously, you know, people may not love the Exynos line. That is but true. They do, but they do make their own chips. Mm-hmm. So and there's so, an opportunity yes. to, move, yes. to move away from Qualcomm. Yes. You're right. Or the wearable side. I'm, and I, I don't, I, this is just speculation. I have no we're all idea. speculating here. Yeah. But the problem is Samsung's watches were Tizen. So mm-hmm. all the Google OS watches were using Qualcomm. And now Samsung isn't beholden to Qualcomm because they can use their own chip on a okay. Wear OS device. Okay. I, I, I see yeah. your point. That's they, exciting. Potentially exciting, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. And I don't, I don't upgrade my watch, you know, from Samsung every year. I, I think I had the Gear S2 for such a long time, but I am excited for this one just because, again, with that newer OS that's going to be on there, it's going to be much more fluid and smooth. And the hardware of the watch, I think it's going to have maybe, what is it, maybe one of the buttons on there will actually be able to scroll and roll Yeah, with your finger, something that I believe some Samsung fans were waiting for. And I think it's going to be here. It's it's pretty awesome, I think, what's what's coming in. Regardless, consumers are gonna win. Doesn't matter what side you're on, what OS you wear, whenever one company drives things forward, consumers always win. This is good stuff. Like I'm excited about this event. I did say earlier, like the Z Flip is my least favorite. Like I, it's still a cool phone. It's just not my favorite out of everything. The one that confuses me, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this, I feel like Samsung has like four different lines of earbuds. I mean they do. We've got the Galaxy Buds, the Buds Pro, the Buds Live. There might be another one in there. So now we're getting the Buds 2? I got to ask Jimmy that. I can't keep track of all their headphones. Jimmy, Jimmy, do you know about this? Yeah, that one, their headsets are starting to get a little confusing with, with the Live and then the Buds Pro, the Buds 2. I believe I might have seen an image, if I can try and find it here. It's kind of like they're just merging the Live with the pros okay i mean that makes sense but the, was, that makes the more lives, sense weren't the lives the bean ones yes those were the bean shaped ones basically the like the galaxy buds 2 would be the successor of the galaxy buds plus is what we're looking for here and i mean you know the galaxy buds plus 
were very nice. And I felt like they had a better fit than the live, like the beans. The beans didn't really seem to have the best fit. And I feel that they are moving over and updating basically the Galaxy Buds Plus, you know, which was a beautiful red design. I'm actually looking at it across the table. And it's kind of like the Buds Plus in the case of a Buds Live. But it's going to be longer, but it's going to be like the round. I I feel it's going to be a much better fit because I was a bigger fan of the Buds Pro than I was the Beans. And so that's basically what they're doing is the Galaxy Buds 2 successor to the Buds Plus. Okay, so we have the Buds, the Buds Plus, the Buds Live, and the Buds Pro. I'm lost. We've lost everybody here. No, this is good. We're getting consolidation. Samsung is very good with having the public be guinea pigs and test yes, they are. subjects yes, they are. of the product because they are the number one, from my my perspective, the number one company to actually listen to their customers. Anytime there was a change, if there's anything that you know we wanted, Samsung really went through and created that. And so when they were going through and testing, looking at sales numbers, looking at what was adopted, it looked as if they were like, okay, we had the Beans, which was the Live. We had the Buds Pros or Buds Pluses. And let's take the best of those two worlds and just merge it into one. And that is really what they're doing. And that's that's what you want in technology. You don't want stagnant. You don't want the next thing just to be just like the last. There always has to be a change. There has to be adaptability. And I think Samsung is literally the king at adaptability when it comes down to really any of their products, if it's TVs, cell phones, and audio. Okay, so that's that's the Samsung rumors. Before we jump into the crypto world, let's talk about a couple of rumors that Mark Gurman dropped yesterday. Mark Gurman, one of the best sources. He's basically, if we were just talking about Evan being so great, although Evan does more than just Samsung, but when it comes to Apple in particular, it's, it's really hard to, to find someone better than Mark, Mark Gurman from Bloomberg. So he has a new weekly newsletter now, and he drops uh, hints and clues each week as to, as to what's coming and what he's heard. So first one, which might be the most exciting one for me, is a redesigned iPad mini. A lot of people don't know this or maybe weren't around back then, but back in 2013, the iPad mini and iPad Air were both released, and they were literal carbon copies of each other with the only difference being the size, kind of like the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, although the Pro Max even has a better camera than the Pro does. They were the exact same device, and Apple hasn't done that ever again. It sounds like the new iPad mini is going to be a miniature version of the current iPad Air, which has the iPad Pro-esque squared off design. So the thinner bezel the Apple Pencil magnetized on the side. And I've always had this this feeling that the iPad mini is the quote unquote true iPad. Doesn't mean it's the most powerful iPad, but the one that you can easily, no, it's the one that you can easily carry around, you can throw in your back pocket. If you want to have an iPad with you, like the iPad mini is a mobile device where all the other iPads are portable devices. The iPad mini can go in a pocket very easily. And so if you want to have an iPad with you, an Apple Pencil with you, the only easy way to do that is with an iPad mini. But it's never been 
powerful. It's never matched up to the rest of the lineup, except for that one year in 2013. It's always been older technology in the mini. If a product from Apple has a name mini in it, you can expect two things. First, they'll come out really strong when it's released with specs. Mind-blowing specs something that size. And the second thing is that they will forget about it for like six years. Well. <laughs> and just pretty, pretty much leave it. I think that's accurate. We haven't seen that yet with the iPhone mini, but that's because it's still the first generation. Talk to me in two years. Talk to me in two years. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like the, the Mac mini has gone through that. The iPad mini similar. I'm excited to have a miniature iPad Air, basically. If this is a miniature iPad Air with the same specs as the iPad Air and Apple Pencil support, awesome. I'm happy about that. Second one is, this one is, I think we already know this, but his other rumor was a larger iMac to replace a 27-inch is, quote, unquote, on route. I mean, of course it is because we know there's a transition for every computer in Apple's lineup right now, and the 27-inch hasn't been replaced, so... I'm not really sure how that one is news unless it unless he means it's coming imminently. What do you think, John? I mean, I want to know what the processor is going to be is really my big one. Is it going to be just a bigger, bigger version of what we already have? What's the design going to look like? Is it the same design that we have with the colors? Is it going to be more muted? I can be more forgiving with processors when it comes to laptops. I think that the M1 chips are very incredible for what they do. And they're very powerful, obviously. When you come to a desktop PC, I think the power needs to be more than just the exact same chip that's in a laptop. It needs to be better than any tablet. This it needs to be more than just a MacBook Pro with a really big screen. Oh, for sure. I agree with that. But yeah, and, and then that's all the iMac is right now, right? It's uh, iMac currently, yes. Well, I think the one thing that Apple has done, because it is, you're right, the same chip. The same chip that you find in the iPad Pro is the same chip in the Mac Mini, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and iMac. I think the only differences are as you go up the line, there's better cooling on that same processor, allowing it to do more due to just cooling. Other than that, it's the exact same chip. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this new iMac comes with, with, with something different. Maybe it's more cores. Maybe it's a new name with a M1X, M2, whatever. It, it, need, it needs to, to do more than just have a bigger, bigger screen. That's my thought on it. If it does that, then awesome. I'm here for it. Apple's transition to, to ARM, I think, has been close to seamless with Rosetta 2. So I, I believe the transition will go very well. I'm just not excited by the iMacs right now. Fair enough. We'll see what happens. We are... 13 months into the two-year transition that Apple told us. So we have 11 more months for Apple to get all the rest of their computers switched over to Apple Silicon. The reason Jimmy is quiet in this segment is because he doesn't use any Apple products. <laughs> Samsung guy, he told us that. Nope. You know, when it comes down to the, the Apple products, the only Apple product that I've owned was the iPod back in the day. I can't remember how many gigs it was. Uh, I was back with iTunes, put music on it, and and how I got that was from actually doing an Apple commercial back in the day. So even that one I didn't purchase. So my background was acting, middle school, high school, college, filled with like the Fox Kids Network, moved to LA, moved to New York, did all that stuff. But one of the earliest commercials I've done was for the iPod when it was only sold at Target. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. The only the only place you could purchase 
was Target. So it was for a Target ad for the iPod, and I was one of those original shadows. What? Yeah. So the one that they used me for was for skateboarding and flipping. So I didn't dance. I couldn't dance, but I was able to do standing backflips. They had me on a trampoline. They had me on the ground. They had me ride a skateboard that I I colored or I wrapped it in blue tape because I was riding on a blue, you know, ramp. And that's what they used back then. So I was able to have the product in the commercial and then got paid for the work. But that was the only Apple product that I have had and owned. That's a cool story. (laughs) And I mean, my son uses an iPad for school, but outside of that, everything is just PCs. They're just regular Samsung tablets, Chromebooks, either from Samsung or from Google. So yeah, I never really got into it. It was really just because I think, you know, some of my early phones was LG and it was on like, you know, Verizon or something back then. And then I switched to Samsung and then just got into the whole Samsung world. And, you know, I I like to download music. I downloaded movies, you know, Micro SD cards were massive back then, and I I didn't have an iTunes account except for just the iPod, and that was about it. And so yeah, all Android, basically in my entire life. I've tried I've tried an iPhone for a few weeks just for fun, and I think it was maybe around like the 2013 2014 era, and it just uh, didn't really captivate me. So you were one of the shadows in an Apple commercial. Kind of cool story. You're like, that, yeah. That is one of the most iconic product advertisements, <laughs> and you're just in there, and you just casually drop it like, eh, "Here's just a, this is a funny story. I don't know, guys. That's incredible." Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was funny. I was in a interview to get into the casting agency, and I was in the waiting room as my dad was in the room doing his interview with them, shooting off his monologue and stuff, and so. Wait, 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 your dad was doing it, you you got a, what, what, your dad was, your your dad was in it too? So my dad's an actor as well too, yeah, but he's a chiropractor, so he's a chiropractor, but he's an actor. He's a chiropractor. Um, Yeah. Oh boy. Exactly. It's, it's his hobby, man, like, you know, he's, (laughs) it's fun, so yeah, he was doing his monologue, I was, I was in there sitting on the couch, you know, just waiting, my brother was there too, and basically it's one of those, it's very, very exclusive casting agencies to be a part of. And when you be a part of that one, you'd have to not have access or, you know, be available for other casting agencies. But anyways, I heard the receptionist answer the phone, writing down notes and stating something like, oh, okay, someone at this age, someone at this age, a male, a female, the female has to have long hair, the male has to do a backflip and also skateboard and, you know, things like that. And so I was just listening. I was like, I can do all those things. So for my interview, for when I walked in the room, I was like, hey, by the way, I hear you guys are looking for someone who could do a backflip. She's like, are we? And I was like, yeah, uh, your receptionist just got off the phone. And she's like, okay, you can do that. And I said, yeah. I was like, you want me to do it now? She's like, yeah, as long as you don't get hurt. So I just did the backflip and she's like, all right, well, we're going to need you because we don't have anybody else that can do a backflip. Because you you put down your skills on your resume. You didn't put backflip And backflip was one of mine. Yes. Yeah. So... So Amazing. my interview was that, and then I, I booked the the commercial like two weeks later. I just had to go back up there and, and shot it. <laughs> that is absolutely um, – that's one of the best stories we've ever had on this show, <laughs> regardless of the guest. I have a lot of them. I have a, I have a lot, man. I've, I've lived a lot all the way up to like 21, 22. So 
a lot, a lot of weird things that people don't know. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, Let, let's, yeah. let's no Apple product. Let's switch. Let's move into the crypto area. Now, listen. Out of the three of us, I'm probably the least experienced when it comes to mining. I have been, my story. I think I've I've told it in a, in a miniature form on this show before, but back around ten or eleven years ago, maybe even twelve years ago, I had the opportunity. Someone in Bitcoin very early on was like, we need a face for Bitcoin to make it legit. You have this channel. We would love to get you involved. Bitcoin was not even 50 cents at that time. Oh, Andrew. And they were like, if you, you know, here's how it works. If you could get on this bandwagon and start making videos about this, it would help legitimize cryptocurrency. To me at the time, even the word crypto sounded like like I had like a black mask around my eyes creeping around town trying to look at people's windows and like still like I was like, what is this scam you're trying to get me to pull? I have sponsors. I have an audience. I'm not trying to scam them out of money. What is this? I could have gotten in so early, but I probably would have used it to buy a pizza when it hit like four bucks or something. Right. So fast forward to today, there's way more cryptocurrencies out there. Mining is a thing. And Jimmy's channel, Jimmy is promo, as we talked about earlier, is one of the best resources out there, especially if you're a beginner and you just want to learn. Jimmy has this ability to take common questions and basically create like an FAQ. Let's just go through and answer common questions that people have. And let me break this down to show you that a word like cryptocurrency isn't as scary as it might look. And is, so, is, is not is not a bad word. And not at Jimmy all. And I, not Jimmy and I all. first started talking, I was getting into the idea of helium mining and helium. There's hotspots there. It's a. Um, Called the people's currency they you help explain it. you should explain it let, let people know exactly what so this is. What, what helium does and, and jimmy feel free to jump in but essentially it creates a network for iot devices and you plug in these hotspots connect them to your wi-fi and the iot things that are around the hotspots talk to each other it facilitates an iot network and you're rewarded with incremental bits of hnt tokens and those hnt tokens are trading depending on the time between let's say 10 and like 14 15 bucks and essentially all the user has to do is plug in this miner set it up on their network, a uh, 15, 20 minute process, and then just collect the tokens and they can collect them in their, their wallet. They could sell them, swap them to any other currency, that kind of thing. So I was getting into this. Jimmy had a ton of videos on different antennas and I just, I had a bunch of questions and I was just searching for it. And I, I, you know, I, I known his channel before, but I found this perfect video. So I just tweeted at him and we, we started sort of talking on Twitter DMs and then we started texting. And uh, he kind of walked me through, and we have some stories to share on on helium mining, <laughs> and kind of walked me through what he's done and his mining process and mining setup. And I've since purchased a few miners of my own that actually legitimately mine currency instead of sort of reward you with them. So I guess they all kind of do. And Jimmy's really helped me along, held my hand, I think is probably a, a more realistic way to describe it, to get some semblance of, of confidence or understanding about it. It was a real big gap in my knowledge. And he does an excellent job of not necessarily dumbing it down, making it easy to understand without sort of infantilizing the content. And the videos are really well done. They're all tags you can jump through and see like, okay, I just want to know how to set it up and get to the setup where I want to know what intended to buy. And I think that's why his videos have resonated with a lot of people is that's a, a hard thing to a hard thing to do. So to anybody out there, if you are looking to get into mining, you want to do cryptocurrency, check out Jimmy's videos. I really do think that he is 
the best out there in the space as far as explaining and also being available and answering questions. I see them in the comments. I see them on Twitter, generally trying to help people. Yeah. And it's fun. Like you're always good or you could become an expert at something that interests you. And this just fully interests me and actually how I was found from a few Helium team members was with the tag 5G. And that was, that was back in January. So I was mining Helium back in January. I think it was January 18th. And there was only 18,000 hotspots online. Today, yeah, today there's like 84,000 hotspots. And what's crazy about it is I wish I could have gotten in it like two months earlier because then I would have been a part of only like 5,000 hotspots that were sharing 5 million heliums a month. And here's the thing that I think some people forget. So when it comes down to mining any cryptocurrency, if when it comes down to mining Bitcoin, Ethereum, you're, you're buying rigs, you're buying ASIC computers that are super expensive. We're talking 5,000, 10,000, and those are the cheaper ones. Uh, you got $15,000, $20,000 miners that would take you 11 or 10 months to ROI the actual price of the miner itself. These are silent computers, basically just a Raspberry Pi. If you can, you know, if you set up a Raspberry Pi, you know, there's zero sound, there's nothing going on, and it's able to reward you with such a, a high ROI that can pay itself off in basically seven days. You're making some assumptions assuming that they all work properly. As long as you are near other hotspots in your area. So that's the thing is I'm just trying to put to the point of a small mini silent miner that is $400, $500, $600 versus spending 10 times as much. But as long as you have other miners next to you, and actually I didn't, I, I had two miners that were my own. It was me. And then I put it at my neighbor's house. And back then when I was doing that, it only took, I think it was like 10 days to ROI that miner itself. And what's important about Helium is instead of just thinking of, oh, it's an easy way to kind of get rewarded with Helium that is trading at, you know, $13. At one point it was up at $20 to $22. So you're easily able to pull in, you know, $20 to $50 a day pretty much no matter what price it's at. What's important with it is that like I have a Samsung SmartThings tracker. You know, I got it from AT&T. I can't remember the price of it, but all I know is that after a year of usage, then it would be, I believe, $5 a month to run it. So I had to put a data plan onto a tracker to keep access of the GPS. So here is a network and AT&T is a network as well. So here's a network that's called the Helium Network that you have all these miners that exploded covering majority of all the cities. And so now you're able to have internet of things. You're able to have trackers, sensors that you wouldn't have to buy a data plan for. This is the data plan. So I have a tracker in my car at the moment that I believe I can start shooting the video on it tomorrow. <laughs> and it is a tracker that has a battery life that could be anywhere between you know two weeks to six months depending on how you have it set up with how often you want it to speak and send its location. And so mine is set up to where it's going to you know, easily last, I think, minimum four weeks up to two months. And it is so sensitive and amazing the fact that 
you could put this sensor on a motorcycle and you will be notified on your phone if it is tilted. So if your bike gets knocked down, you will get a notification of a tilt. I actually walked out to my vehicle, opened the door, and this tracker right now is in its glove box. So I opened the door of my car and it detected motion. So if anybody is near your vehicle and it kind of gives it a little bit of a shake, you're gonna know. And so I'm actually using that tracker in that vehicle because I'll actually have a moving hotspot. So I'll have a setup of a Bobcat sitting in my car connected to a, a Jackery power supply where I'm making sure my phone is charged, the hotspot's plugged in. I'll have an additional phone sitting in my car just to give it its, its, its Wi-Fi. And basically this tracker is going to let me know if my car gets towed or moved or touched. But yeah, so that's, that's the thing I love about Helium is it's easily rewardable, easy to set up, very intuitive, simple application. And there's actual use case scenarios where you can have trackers, just like, you know, you got the air tags, you got the Samsung tags, you got the tile, but those are done with Bluetooth. And when you have something that has the radio frequency built in of the 915 megahertz spectrum here, which is the same technology, it's the same radio frequency that's used in a cordless phone. So if you've ever had a cordless phone in your house and the base is plugged into the wall, you're walking around with a cordless phone, but somehow that phone has to talk to the base because that is what's plugged in through the LAN. That is 915 megahertz spectrum. And that's what these antennas use. So we have basically these antennas that we are in charge of, which is why we're rewarded to create this network. So we have all these sensors that would be able to work with it. So I have like a mousetrap that's on the Helium network. I have a tracker that's in my car that's with the Helium network. You have the Lime scooters that is also a part of it as well in those big cities. So it's that coverage. Again, you don't have to buy a data plan for it. And so to kind of, to kind of simplify this in case people are having trouble following along, the Helium network is basically average people, anybody putting a hotspot in their home, connecting it to their home network, and that hotspot creates a signal and you get rewarded for doing this with payments of HNT cryptocurrency. And so the idea is that as more people put these hotspots in their homes, the Helium network that is publicly available over radio waves grows. And so Helium is trying to build a network that people can tap into without needing to pay a monthly fee, at least for now. And I don't know if it's going to be that way forever, if that's the goal, but it's basically crowdsourcing a network versus relying on a major corporation, which will most definitely charge you to access. And if you do this, you get rewarded in cryptocurrency. Yeah. So that's why it's called the people's network is because it's the people that's putting up the network and it's us that are in charge of it. And so basically, as we get rewarded Helium, we're getting rewarded that because we're just monitoring and making sure that our hotspot is online. And that all the parts are connected. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, I'm, I'm laughing for a reason, but um, I'll tell that story in a minute. <laughs> now, now, Helium is interesting because, John, earlier you said... It depends on where you are. Like you can't assume that you're going to pay off what you bought in a week, although it's very easy to do so depending on where you are. And that's where some of the more interesting parts of Helium come into, I think, because you can't just buy 10 of these hotspots and just put them all in your house. You can, 
but you're not you're not extending the network that way, and therefore you're not going to be benefiting and being rewarded in the same way as someone who spreads it out. So why don't we talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So when it comes down with the hotspots, when you compare it versus Verizon, AT&T, and everybody else, you're not going to see two of those big towers on the same block. There is just no benefit of having two cell towers right next to each other. You, you needed to spread them out. And that's basically this whole reward scale as well. So this way, you know, if you are sitting and, you know, it's, it, it kind of stinks sometimes when you can't be in charge of it. If you live in a big city like Chicago or New York or something like that, and someone in your same apartment has it as well. But there is one thing that you can do that can ensure, you know, that you can create your own network with your own hotspot. So if you're, let's say, on top, your, your upper level of a building, and there's somebody who lives below you that also has it, you can almost assume that they're using an antenna that is stock or something that's a lower DBI. So it can it can reach further, you know, just like a regular Wi-Fi. You have the 2.5 gigahertz and the 5 gigahertz. People should should hopefully know the 2.5 can penetrate. It can go further. The 5 gigahertz, it doesn't penetrate as much, but it's fast. So when you think about the lower end DBI, it's pretty much the same. It's going to be more powerful. It can go through things. It can go up and around buildings. Well, if you're in that building and you're on the upper level, you'll want maybe like an 8 DBI. And it's very easy to buy these antennas, even if you're not familiar with it. You can just go on Amazon. You can even take a you know take a look at helium.com and, and they have links for different antennas as well. And if you have an 8 DBI on top of a roof, what you're doing is you are going to hit a different network than the person below you, which is how you're able to still get rewarded and get helium even if somebody's in the exact same building as you, even if it was a townhome, if you're on the second floor versus the first floor, if you had a different DBI antenna that can just reach further and hit a few additional new people, that is your network being different than someone else. And it allows you to have that full reward scale. And because you're connected to your own Wi-Fi, uh, your own private Wi-Fi versus the person who lives bef- below you, they have their Wi-Fi. That is how you can still earn with these hotspots if you're in that same building as someone else. And I'm actually testing a thing where I'm moving one of my hotspots somewhere else in my house because I'm putting an antenna on my roof that it'll be a 8 dBi antenna because I'm getting ready for the halving that's coming up on August 1st because I wanted to get new, I wanted to reach a further distance to get rewarded higher. So I'm putting my antenna higher. So this way it will kind of balance out the halving that comes up. Well, I have two hotspots in my house, both connected to a individual private network. So they're, I have two different Wi-Fi access points, I guess you can say. And I live at the end of a hex, which you can take a look on the, the Helium Explorer website. It'll, it'll literally show you exactly where you are within a hex. And so basically, I'm not stating to put two hotspots in your house. It just happens to be where I'm in the process of moving one. I'm just waiting to put the other on the roof. And I have two of them in the house, both performing very well because one is in my hex. The other one is in the next hex next to me, just uh, 50 meters away, which it's always accurate within 90 meters. So if you needed to move, you know, your hotspot on the map by 90 meters, you're able to. And that's going to go above people's heads if they don't know about the Explorer website or Helium itself. But when you get into it, that's going to make 100% set like sense because... Helium is one of those things that you can comprehend and learn 
very quickly. So this is a, there's a lot to learn. You realize like we're like we're talking to an expert about this. And like I've been been doing yeah, helium, you know, been mining for a while. And like I still I, I still am like, I did not know that about the network. Now, I, Jimmy, you're also doing a lot of other more traditional mining, right? ASIC machines. Yeah. Plugging your garage sounds like a wind turbine when you go in there. And, and like I said, Jimmy's the one who's gotten me responsible for for mining. I've got one mini Doge miner now that's mining Litecoin and Doge. I got three more coming. I've got a more powerful one that I'll do both as well. And so I, I blame Jimmy for getting me in on this. And I've been sort of got into mining by a, a PC that I built that has a 3090 in it. You know, this is now a, probably a four to $5,000 computer. And what that's mining when I have it mine equivalent cryptocurrency is less than this thousand dollar machine. You start to realize, okay, it's more efficient to do it this way. And sort of Jimmy's walked me through this whole process. I learned it sounds complicated. How do I set things up? What's a pool? How do I log in? How do I find my cryptocurrency? And Jimmy's videos are very clear. As I said, at my first one, I was messaging him. I was like, I'm doing this. Like I did it. I said, I, I, said, I sent him a picture of my advanced IP scanner open with his video in his video tutorial on, on another screen next to it. I mean, that's not a joke. So it's been really helpful to sort of have somebody that can sort of walk you through it on the internet. But then somebody has a friend that you can just text and be like, well, did I break this? <laughs> help me. Please help me not, not, not to break this. It's easier than what people think. It is beyond easy. Like when you, when you set up one ASIC miner, you know, if it's going to be a Bitcoin miner, if it's an Ethereum miner, if it's the Litecoin with Dogecoin miner, which is merged mining, it's all really the exact same thing. You, you open up its dashboard, which you can find through the IP scanner. It's just a program that makes it very simple. It's a free program. You just download it to your computer. You find your miner, you open it up and you really just basically put in where you want. Like it, it's, it's working the moment you plug it in. You literally plug it in the power. You plug in Ethernet and it's running. There's nothing you need to do. There's no program you need to get. Once you open up the dashboard of the miner, you just state where you want that mined coin to go. And when you create a pool, it's just like creating a Twitter, a Facebook, or an Instagram. You put in your, your email, you put in your password, and then that's really kind of it from there. Once you, once you log in and you select the pool, so if you're mining Bitcoin, you just choose a Bitcoin pool, which is right there. It's supplied on the screen. And you just do copy and paste. So I am now familiar with three different mining pools. I'm familiar with three or four different types of branded dashboards between Gold Shell and What's Miner and Canon. And I've learned one of them just today, actually. Never, never seen the dashboard, never watched another YouTube video, didn't learn any, didn't try to look it up. Once you set up one, it's it's very simple that you can just, it's a skill that you can move to the next, but it's a very addictive skill. When you can think of the fact that you can invest money. So like I'm always investing money in the Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other coins, Litecoin, things like that. But when you, when you have another source of income of any type of a coin, which is mining or purchasing or earning interest off of either Celsius or BlockFi, I mean, it's just a win, win, win situation. It gets so addicting. And so I went from having one helium miner up to having over 22 of them between me and an LLC. Then it moved into coin mining. 
And now I've got like two mini Doge miners, which is a very good starting point for anybody to start mining. It's right around $1,200 for a machine. And it's easy to set up. It's quiet. You can almost put it in any room. And then, uh, yeah, so I have two of those mini Dogecoin miners, which also mines Litecoin. I have two KD boxes that mines Kadena. And then in my garage now, which I'm about to expand with a few more plugs, I have a different one that's mining Decred, which is a fork off of Bitcoin. So it's very similar to its type of algorithm, but it's actually the number one most profitable miner on the market that is out other than one Ethereum miner, which is still not even out, which I think is actually coming out this month in July. So Decred is one that I'm mining and it's the most profitable miner on the market you can get. I, I, I want to share a story of what you've done to us. So <laughs> I, I was, I, as you share your story of how you sort of grew out your mining rig, I was messaging Andrew like, oh, look, I got this mini Doge miner. It's set up. I, I now have three more coming. Andrew's like, do I need this? I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe you do. Check out Jimmy's videos. He's like, I need this. He's like, well, crap, they're sold out. Andrew messages me, maybe was it last <laughs> week? With yes. a video from some random dude on eBay saying, hey, Andrew, here are the three miners you just bought. I want to show you that they're working properly. Andrew's like, I don't know how to set these up, but I got them coming. <laughs> so have, right. what did you, what, so Drew, what did you buy and have they, have they shown up yet? They're coming in two days. I forget the the exact name because they all have these crazy, they're like named the way HP names their computers, like L3 plus plus whatever. Oh, so yeah. So John, you bought an, I think you got an L3 plus, which does like I, so 504 mega hash. It, it's the Antminer L3 plus. It's a script okay. miner, so it can mine, you know, Bitcoin and Litecoin. So I got the L3 plus plus, which is basically the same thing, but can do a, so just a little show, more power. You had to show, you had to show me up. It's really, well, that's, that's all, that's all I can find. Well, I'm going to order the plus, 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 <laughs> and I'm going to send you a video of it. <laughs> all right. Or Jimmy can just send us a picture of his garage and we can both shut up. That's right. That's right. I mean, but this is, this is incredible because so obviously, as Jimmy said a little while earlier, you invest in the miner and obviously there's, there's also the power, how much you pay for power is going to differs across the across the board if you're in california it's gonna be higher than if you're here in washington where it's super cheap but you pay for the miner you pay for the electricity to run it and then you have your profit left over and so i think most people who have heard of bitcoin over the past couple of years or ethereum they buy it they buy the bitcoin and then they hold it on coinbase or something like that and then they watch it go up and down and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is an alternative where you buy the miner, which, for lack of a better term, creates the Bitcoin. It creates the Ethereum. It creates the Dogecoin, whatever it might be. And you have a machine or multiple machines in your house on your home network that are just creating cryptocurrency for yeah. you. You don't it's have to buy it. You. you have to buy the miner. But once you do that and you hit go... At that point, it's just making money for you sitting quietly in your network closet or your garage or basically wherever you put it. Yeah. And I had someone who told me a long time ago that in order for you to become rich or wealthy, you need to have your money earn you money. And so if you can invest in either the coin itself or into this miner, which is very, very consistent and I'm looking at your plus plus right now on the on the internet here. 
and you know, you I don't know how much you you paid for it, but it looks like let's say that your electricity bill within your area, like the cost is ten cents per kilowatt hour. You're only going to be spending about maybe two dollars and fifty cents a day to run it, but it could be making eight dollars a day. And so, what you always have to think about is, you know, it's an investment that will pay itself off, hopefully, as long as the coin is doing well, in a good 10 to 11 months. And after that, that is your worker. That is like an employee of yours that is working, earning you money. And that is why they call them workers. So, I have, you know, four workers (laughs) in the other room and one more in the garage. And I almost actually bought the L3 Plus. I almost bought it today actually. I was looking at it. I was super excited looking at the numbers. Buy it so you can set it up before mine comes. You can show me how to do it. Right. It's actually very simple. You've you've set up your mini Dogecoin miner and this is the exact same. So actually, you'll just be opening up this dashboard from Bitmain, which, which isn't too bad. It looks different, but you will just plug in the same pool information and then your same wallet of where you want it to go. And what I love about this miner, it's called the script algorithm. And so with the script algorithm, it's a merged mining where you can actually mine Litecoin with Dogecoin being your reward. And in merged mining, whatever you get as a reward is always paid off higher. So you may get, you know, let's just say you get like 0.1 Litecoin a day, but then you would get like 40 Doge. And it's just it's just one of those things that I just love about merge mining. I just love the fact that you can accumulate cryptocurrency and you basically need miners out there mining these because not all of them are minted already. They're not all pre-mined. There's there's some out there that are pre-mined and some coins have to be mined to basically come out here into the world. And with the big thing that happened out in China where there's some massive farms shut down, if you're in a pool where a bunch of those just got offline. In cryptocurrency, there's a thing called block time. And block time has to stay pretty much the exact same. So if it takes 60 seconds to unlock this block, let's say, but a bunch of workers are now not there, they have to ease up on the difficulty of all these passwords that these miners are are creating, right? So if there's less workers in this pool, they have to decrease the difficulty, which brings you more reward. So in terms of mining, right now is the perfect time to mine because a lot of these coins just became so much easier with the crackdown in China. I mean, there's a deep rabbit hole, I think, that we can go down with this. And I think absolutely, <laughs> Andrew and I have, have done it. And I, I think it probably makes sense that Jimmy's willing to have him back sort of talk more specifically about the mining but I want to thank Jimmy, at least as a, as a friend and a resource for the help that he's given me, for Andrew and for the, the crypto community, and also for coming and joining us on the, uh, on the podcast. Absolutely. So, Jimmy, yes, thank you for, for hanging out with us, for teaching us and sharing your, your expertise. Let people know where they can find you. Where can people find you if they want to learn more, if they're curious? Yes. So if you just search for Jimmy is promo or even Jimmy promo on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, basically have all of those and all the content I'm going to just keep on doing will be around cryptocurrency, mining around Samsung and also product reviews. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube 
I'm at youtube.com slash gear live and John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.